So this series, Who Needs Christmas, is really for all of us. We all need Christmas. We all need what comes along with Christmas. In fact, if you've uh, been a part of a church or grown up in church, you probably know that uh, many churches will celebrate what we call Advent. And so if you don't know, the word Advent means coming. And so we celebrate this time of year the coming of Christ when he came uh, to planet earth wrapped in flesh to live a perfect life, to live a sinless life, to give his life, the Bible says, as a ransom for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins and experience the freedom that comes with knowing Christ. Now, we need to understand that that word Advent, when we start to wrap our minds around that term, coming of Christ, there is also going to be someday a second coming of Christ when he comes back to take his people. Now, that could happen while we're here, or it could happen after we pass and go on to heaven. And so I just want us to make sure we understand the power that is in Advent, that Christ came and he's also going to come again. And so as we start uh, this series and this message this morning, I want to encourage you uh, with the first of four themes that we'll be looking at uh, during the Advent season, during the Christmas season. And the, the thing that I want to look at this morning, the theme that I want us to really, really, really study this morning uh, is the theme of hope. Who needs hope? Who needs hope? Because in the season of Christmas, we see the theme over and over and over again of hope. The reality is we're all hoping for something every single one of us in the room this morning is hoping for something. We're all hoping for something. Now, you might be hoping for something that's very tangible that you can hold on to, or you may be hoping for something that's not really tangible. It may be a relationship that you're hoping for. It could be a promotion at work. It could be a, like, a, like in a Christmas vacation, you're hoping for that Christmas what? The Christmas bonus, right? And you're just hoping for that. And there are all kinds of things we are hoping for. Now, this week, I was reminded of something that many of us hope for and also look for. I was at a family's house, and the husband couldn't find the car keys. And there was one set of car keys to this particular car. And I was with this family, and I know them pretty well. And so for me, because I know them, it was a little bit comical to watch this go down because it wasn't too different than what happens in our house. So one set of keys. My friend's trying to get into his car. He's looking everywhere, and I'm hanging out in the kitchen with him, and he's turning. You ever done this? You turn everything upside down, hoping to find the keys, and we finally, you know, he's looked in all the bedrooms. He's looked in the family room, and there's only one place left that has not been searched, the purse of the wife. And he says, honey, do you mind if I look in the purse? And she says, that's fine. And as she's continuing her sentence, which is just don't flip it upside down, he's actually flipping it upside down. And literally, I mean, couldn't have timed it better. The thing that the wife did not want to have happen happens and everything. I mean, we're talking like artifacts from ancient history Things are flowing out of the purse, and we're just hoping there is a set 
of keys, and then the wife enters the scene, and there is just more hoping, maybe for other things, and and there is just still, and I see, I don't know if you've ever been maybe like a third party, like a fly on the wall in the middle of maybe just a little bit of tension and conflict, and I see a bulge in the purse, like in this little zipper pocket, and I'm starting to think, I think I would bet the keys are in that, little, but I, I don't know, you know, it's a little tense. I don't know if I should say anything or just step back and kind of, you ever in that, maybe you see that on social media sometimes and you're like, I'm, I need some popcorn and I'm just here for the comments, right? I'm just here to watch. And so, you know, I decide I know this couple pretty well. And so I'm just going to go over and do a quick unzipping and there are the keys. And finally, after about half an hour, we rejoice, and the thing we were hoping for for so long was finally found. Now, that's just a little kind of micro, small little picture of the many things that we hope for in life, and we don't often like the hoping, 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 hoping. We want to arrive at the moment that we find the thing that we're looking for. I want to show you today in the Scriptures In the book of Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament, we're going to start in chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, or maybe if you have a Bible app on your phone, or even if you don't have an app, you can just, on your smartphone, Google Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9, and the scripture will come up. It'll be on the screen here in a moment. But I want to take you, listen to this, to 8th century B.C., 8th century B.C., before Christ, And I want to show you a promise that is in the book of Isaiah here. In chapter 7, Isaiah writes, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which many of us know means God with us. When we read Isaiah 7 verse 14, we see a promise that is made and will be fulfilled a few centuries later. Lots of hoping, lots of waiting for the coming Messiah, but this thought and this reality that's going to unfold, God with us, the most powerful promise that has ever been made in the course of history, that God would come and dwell with us in Isaiah 7, 14. Think about that. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. A promise given in Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. This is what we would call an Old Testament prophecy. A promise that is made that comes true in the New Testament. When Christ comes a few centuries later. But if you stay in the book of Isaiah, you see more promises about the same Messiah. Look at chapter 9 with me here on the screen. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's just two chapters later. Isaiah is giving us an even clearer picture with powerful language, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Promises given centuries before Christ would come. 
And so think about this. How long have you ever held on to hope for something? Not as long as hope had to be held on to for Christ to come. Think about this. Centuries had to go by. And did you know that you're in this story? I don't want you to miss this, what you're about to see on the screen. You are actually in the Christmas story in the book of Isaiah. Because if you were to open up the book of Isaiah in your Bible and you were to skip ahead to chapter 46, look at this. Excuse me, 49. Isaiah writes, I will also make you a light for the who? For the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so now there's this promise made, not just to the Jewish people, but also a promise made for us Gentiles. If we're not Jewish here, we are Gentiles. And so there's a promise made. The promise was thought to be made just for the Jewish people, a coming Messiah for the Jewish people. But we see here now that Jesus is coming for the Gentiles. And so we hope, in fact, we put our hope not just in the Jesus that we see in the New Testament, but we see here a promise made about Christ that He would come as a light for the Gentiles, that salvation would reach, think about this, to the ends of the earth. We are on the other side of planet earth, and Jesus came for us. This is a promise for us that people for centuries would hold on to. And now think about how Isaiah 49 verse 6 intersects with your story. That Christ would come. That He would be wrapped in flesh. That He would come down and He would live a sinless life. That He would do a three-year public ministry for us to model our lives by, that he would preach the Sermon on the Mount, that he would teach over and over and over and over through doing miracles, and then ultimately by giving his life on the cross, that we could have hope in him and that he would be a light. Now, if you're walking in darkness and you're hoping for something, light is the one thing you're hoping for. And Jesus came to shine light on your darkness, on your journey, so that you could be able to walk in freedom. And so whether you start in Isaiah chapter 7, or you go to Isaiah chapter 9, or you then end with Isaiah 49 verse 6, you start to see this story that happens many centuries before Jesus is actually born. You start to see the story of hope. You start to see this story of hope. Now, I talked earlier as we started things that we're all hoping for, but the reality is that there's something that intersects hope that we're not all comfortable with, and it's waiting. You see, when you're hoping for something, you're also waiting. And so we're not just hoping and waiting for the job promotion. We're, we're hoping for the things that come after that, and so we have to wait. And I don't know, maybe you're hoping and waiting for a relationship that maybe just started, but you're hoping and waiting to see what comes of that relationship. Maybe you're waiting, maybe you're here this morning and you and your spouse are hoping and waiting for your own child 
to be conceived, and you have waited for a long, long time, and you are here this morning, and you are weary and tired of the waiting. And God wants you to know this morning, and He wants you to be encouraged this morning that there is power in knowing Christ in the waiting. You know Jesus many times more intimately when you are willing to wait. There are so many stories in the Bible of men and women that wait and hold on to hope. Think about, if you know Joseph's story in the Old Testament. Joseph in the Old Testament is sold into slavery and then becomes the prime minister of Egypt. There's power when you wait. Think about that turnaround and that comeback. And he waits and waits and waits. Think about Moses living in the wilderness, taking care of sheep for his who? For his father-in-law, Jethro, which I think is a cool name. I don't know why we, you know, you don't hear of a lot of Jethros, but Moses is working for his father-in-law. And he's hanging out in the wilderness. And then someday, as he continues to hold on to hope, as he continues to wait, Moses comes to what we know as his crazy experience taking God's people with him, and you see what? Split. You know the story. The waters do what? They split, and they walk through the land, and you have that Red Sea moment where Moses is used by God to give deliverance to God's people. But Moses had to wait. And we could look at story after story after story where people that love God, hold on to hope, and wait, even when they can't see the promise fulfilled, and they even feel like, I mean, read the Psalms, read David's prayers, and you see David holding on to hope, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. And so if you're here this morning, and you're waiting on something, you're in great company. Because there's men and women in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament that hold on to hope and wait with everything that's in them and they know God more, the more they hold on to hope and the more they're willing to wait. Now I want to illustrate this in a powerful way by sharing a quote with you by Eugene Peterson. This quote is going to be on the screen, but it talks all about hope and waiting. Look at this with me. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is the opposite of desperate and panicky manipulations, of scurrying and worrying. And hoping is not dreaming. It is not spinning on illusion or fantasy to protect us from our our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do. Look at this what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of what? Of faith. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. That is such a great, powerful unpacking of waiting on God and putting our full hope and trust in what he has for the story that he wants to write in your life because God is a lover of writing stories in each and every one of our lives. But here's what I believe about many of us because we are so passionate about pursuing our own stories. I think many times we grab on to 
our own desires and we do panic and we miss out on the stories that God wants to write in our lives because we don't wait and we rush into something and we don't want to wait on God. And so I don't know what that looks like for you this morning, but here's what I do know about this season. I know that last weekend happened, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, you visit family, whatever that looks like for you. But you get into that weekend last weekend and you you just, oh my goodness, Christmas is here already. And you, you've got all these things to do and a long list of things. And I mean, just drive five minutes around Haynes Mall tonight and you'll see and feel the weight of everything that comes along with the real reason for why we do what we do at this time of year. And your blood pressure will go up. And you'll think, man, I've never been on blood pressure medication, but it feels like it's time to start. And so we take our eyes off of where it should be, and we stop being captivated by Christ, and we start to be obsessed with the tyranny of the urgent of all the things that come alongside the Christmas season. And so I just wonder, what would it look like if we had a renewed vision for the hope of Christmas? What would it look like if we had a renewed vision for the hope of Christmas? I've got a couple of things uh, here on the screen. You'll see this first one, kind of a main idea that we get out of Isaiah chapter 7, out of Isaiah chapter 9, out of Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6. And here's the first one. The hope found in the coming of Christ fuels fuels the proper focus we have at Christmas. The hope found in the coming of Christ fuels the proper focus we have at Christmas. Think about that. What would it look like in your life if you let the hope of Christ fuel this entire month for you? Fuel it. Next slide. Look at this. We fully realize how much we need Christmas. Who needs Christmas? We all need Christmas. And we fully realize how much we need Christmas when we are filled with the hope that Christ came to set me free, that Christ came to set you free, that Christ came to set all of us free. And we fully realize how much we need Christmas when we are filled with the hope that Christ came to set us free. Those two little truths there and those two little principles and ideas, if they grab our hearts, they do something in us. I think they beg some questions for us that we should talk about maybe over lunch today, maybe before you go to sleep tonight. If you're married, you talk about it with your spouse. Maybe if you've got kids, you talk about these three questions that I'm going to give you as application Here's the first application question that I think everything that we've looked at, the scriptures, the quotes, those main ideas, here's what I want us to take with us this morning because they require you going behind, beneath, dig deeper into the truths that we looked at this morning. Here's the first one. What is my hope in this morning? What is my hope in this morning? What is my hope in this morning? And I hope it's not just a a one-word answer. I hope you go deep with that question. Here's the second one. Am I too distracted to 
put all of my hope in Christ. Think about that question. I'm going to leave that up just for a moment. I just want you to look at it on one of the screens. Boy, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Five seconds of stillness. And what if I waited a minute, didn't say a word? Some of us would be playing on our phones, getting on social media, disconnecting with what's happening up here, because we are so good at being distracted, aren't we? I think we are a distracted nation state, city, we are addicted to so many things that easily take our focus off of Christ. And I believe that God brought every single one of us here gathered this morning so that we would be able to answer this question really, really well. Am I too distracted to put all of my hope in Christ? And if the answer is yes, I would encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 7 tonight before you go to bed. And then tomorrow to read Isaiah chapter 9 before you go to bed. And then the next night to go and read Isaiah chapter 49. And start where the Christmas story starts, which is not in the New Testament. It's not in Matthew. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. It's not in John. It's in the Old Testament where we start to see these promises given and we hold on to hope and then you see Jesus come. But what do we do when we're too distracted to put all of our hope in Christ? We have to take a step back. We have to stop. We have to pause. We have to be willing to open our Bible. We have to be willing to pray. We have to be willing to spend the time, think about this, the margin you have in your day, the breaks you have at work, what would it look like for you if you answered this question well and you said, yes, I am, but I'm going to make some changes. So for the next few days, for the next few weeks, I don't miss out on focusing my heart and captivating my mind on Christ and being focused on what He wants For me, here's the last question for all of us. How could Christmas be different this year if we focus fully on the hope that comes with Jesus Christ? And that application can be different for all of us based on wherever we're at in our relationship with God. Isn't that true? How could Christmas be different this year if we focused fully on the hope that comes with Jesus Christ? How could Christmas be different? How, how does this affect you and your family? How does this affect you and your friends? How does this affect how you spend your time? How could Christmas be different this year if you focused fully on the hope that comes with Christ? There are so many different ways you could apply this question and end up in a place where you look back at the end of December and you say, I was obedient in this area of my life and I was able to celebrate the real, 
true, authentic, genuine meaning of Christmas because I focused my heart fully on the hope that comes with knowing Christ and inviting others to know that hope. And so maybe the answer for you this morning is you take three of the invite cards and you invite and maybe you pick them up and bring them next Sunday to hear about, listen to this, the love that Christ has for us, or maybe the following Sunday, the joy that comes with knowing Christ, or maybe on Christmas Eve, the peace that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. Maybe you invite somebody and you go and bring them with you next Sunday. Maybe that's the application for you. Maybe that's how your Christmas could be different. Maybe the application for you this morning is God lays it on your heart to set some resources aside to give to Mission of Hope so that you go to our website and you give some of your resources so that we can be faithful to go and actually pay for and build a house for a family that, listen to this, doesn't have shelter. Think about all the things we need for Christmas. And we got a roof over our head. We got what we need. But there is a family living in Haiti that desperately needs shelter. That desperately needs a place to sleep. And listen to this. You could be a part of that. Don't miss this. You could be a part of that today. And while you may not go with us in January, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to get to meet that family someday and hang out with them, not in an earthly home forever and ever and ever and ever, but you're going to get to meet that family and live in a heavenly home forever and ever and ever. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if somebody from this church that maybe goes in January is going to come grab you. I don't know if we grab each other in heaven. I don't know what that looks like, but maybe we introduce you and say, hey, if you gave to that little offering we did back in 2017 at the end of the year, this is the family that lived in that house, and then you can celebrate that. And again, I don't know what that's going to look like, but that's a real party in heaven, if you ask me, where you gave and you were a part of being the hands and feet of Christ. You can celebrate that in eternity, not just something to be celebrated here on earth. But how would Christmas be different this year? If we focused fully on the hope that comes with Jesus Christ. It's okay to wait and linger and hope and put our trust fully in Jesus. It is okay to shut your phone down for an hour and break your Bible open and read the Christmas story over and over and over. You know, the power and beauty of the scriptures is that God can show you truth over and over and over and over every time you read it. You can go to Isaiah, you can go to Matthew, you can go anywhere in the Bible and you can read truth and God will point a new nugget of truth out every time you read it. But the reality is we are so good at being distracted and I want to challenge you this morning more than I've ever challenged you to before to set your heart and your mind and your soul and your spirit, everything that's in you on the hope that comes with knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, putting your hope and your trust and your faith in Him and not missing out on the blessings that come with that. There is intimacy in a relationship with Jesus. 
And he wants to do something new in your heart, I believe, this Christmas season, where we will surrender all the distractions and we will lay all of them down and we'll ask God to be more and more and more active in our lives so that we don't miss out on the power that comes with knowing Christ and inviting others to know the hope that is found in Him. And so I don't know exactly what the application looks like for you, but God does. God knows. His Spirit wants to speak to you this morning and make the application so clear. And He wants to lay on your heart maybe somebody that you know that you can be faithful to bring here and invite them to know the love that is found in Christ. And so, Twin City, what would it look like if we would be faithful to take a step of faith and to put our full hope and trust and be faithful to wait on God and His best for us? Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we love You. We love Your Word. And we celebrate your goodness and kindness to us this morning. God, we pray that you would use the next few weeks to guide us to more and more truth, especially during this Christmas season, God. God, we want to prayerfully consider what you might be asking us to do, to be faithful to what you've called us to do as a church, whether it's Inviting people, whether it's bringing someone that we know you have put on our hearts. Maybe it's giving to be a part of what we believe you want to do in Haiti. God, would you use us as your people to be faithful to what you've called us to do. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.